This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 34, Jurassic Park. Brady, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. Got a, This is a big one. This is a big minute. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, I, I like this minute, and I like that it shows uh, sea bass. Which, uh, you know, yeah, you, 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 and I, you and I are in here, uh, food has been a topic of conversation, I think, for the past few minutes, so we, uh, you know, torturing ourselves by looking at this delicious Chilean sea bass that Alejandro has prepared for the yeah. park guests really is a little bit torturous, but... Do you think that's Alejandro, or just some other dude? Uh, I think it's probably the, um, I, if Alejandro is the famous chef, yeah. he would be wearing all white with his chef's hat, probably. He probably has a group of dudes that are his runners, you know, that yeah. uh, s- service under him. I don't think he steps foot out of the kitchen. It is... So it it baffles me that we can try and go and find um, information on the, like some obscure actor who just walks by in the background. I can't think of any examples right now, but we don't have any information on freaking Alejandro. Yeah, like, and he comes back in a few minutes, so I'm I'm determined to go find out where this dude's been. But uh, <laughs> but I mean like. The, the guy in Ghostbusters, like, the walls in the 33 precinct were bleeding. Like, yeah. I think we've looked into where that guy had been. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but Alejandro, Alejandro remains a mystery. So that's what I want the Jurassic World 2 to be about, is Alejandro's yeah, Alejandro. revenge. Like, they pull, you know, uh, uh, B.D. Wong into a room, and then, like, you hear, like, yeah. you know, uh, a crab, like, being cracked. And this guy looks <laughs> like a crab claw, and he's cracking. He's like, do you know who I am? I'm yeah. Alejandro. They just high-five. Yeah, and and like, basically, here's the story. Okay, I'm writing Jurassic World 2 right now. Alejandro wants to open up a restaurant where you eat dinosaurs. And wow. he wants B.D. Wong, a.k.a. Dr. Wu, to go ahead and start breeding dinosaurs for him so he can open up the world's first dinosaur restaurant. You know what? I legitimately... Like, in all seriousness, would not be surprised if they include dinosaurs as food in the next film. It, they have to. Where because, else do you go? Yeah. We've already got the amusement park. Where's the next choice? Well, I know that Restaurants. Yeah, exactly. Fast food. Raptor steaks. There you go. Raptor steaks. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But, but do not ask the chef for any sauce. So if you could eat any kind of dinosaur, what would it be? Man, let's see. I mean... Triceratops looks pretty tasty. Triceratops, you could get a big flank of Triceratops, like the haunch there on the back would probably make a great steak. I think it'd probably be pretty good barbecued, you know? Uh, I'm thinking like Compthamimus would probably be pretty good fried, like chicken. Uh, There you go. You know, or uh, possibly even uh, uh, pterodactyl eggs over easy might be a good way to go. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, but at some point we get to like, I'm sure there's a kid's book out there written called like Brontosaurus Burgers or something like that. uh, And if there's not, I'm going to write (laughs) I keep thinking of the Flintstones opening where they drive up to the movie theater the drive dining theater and they order like the ribs you know and oh, they yeah. put the side of ribs <laughs> and it flips over the car like yeah you know you could feed you know, that'd be a good reason to clone dinosaurs and bring them back imagine how many people you could feed with one adult brachiosaur. yeah so back to minute 34 <laughs> minute number 34 jurassic park yeah i'm hungry you're hungry and i think after this episode's over we're going out to eat right? that's true yeah okay so that's gonna be on my mind so if i slip back to talking about food I'll, this is a friday episode it's dropping on friday everybody's thinking about what they're going to eat for the weekend anyway so. that's true well let's get into minute number 34 In the previous minute, we met Robert Muldoon. Muldoon told Grant that the Raptors have shown extreme intelligence and that the big one was the leader of the Pride now. At minute number 34, Muldoon continues his story about the leader of the Raptor Pride. He says that the feeding by cow crane came because the Raptors would attack the cage fences at feeding time. He says that the Raptors were testing the fences for weaknesses. Muldoon says that the Raptors could remember where the weak parts were. At 3420, a machine can be heard starting up in the background. 
We cut to a shot of the torn-up cow harness being raised out of the raptor paddock. Hammond asks, Who's hungry? At 34.33, we cut to a shot of a plate with the Jurassic Park logo on it. After a second, another plate with food on it is lowered on top of the empty plate. The camera pans up to Ellie, who has an unappetizing look on her face. At 34.30, the camera cuts to a higher shot of the room where we can see the group seated around a table with John Hammond explaining what sort of attractions will be built on Isla Nublar. At 34.53, Gennaro says that they can charge anything they want. $2,000 to $10,000 a day is an example that he throws out. He then goes back to talk about merchandising opportunities. And thus ends minute number 34 of Jurassic Park. So, yeah, again, uh, that's Seabass there at the very end. And Gennaro talking about the merchandising opportunities yeah. that he can see coming into play for Jurassic Park. So Now, we do get a little bit of the difference between the book and the movie here because the it's going to go into the next minute, but we're starting mm-hmm. to see the Hammond difference between Hammond in the book and Hammond in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Hammond in the book is an entrepreneur. He is a capitalist. He wants to be able to have this part served to the global elite. That would probably come in and eat dinosaurs yeah. <laughs> in a restaurant yeah. and pay $10,000 a day for it. Uh, Hammond in the movie, not so much, uh, not so much. And in fact, we do get kind of a shot earlier where he's trying to distract everyone from what's going on. The chaos of the cow just got eaten. That's true. Yeah. Where he says like, okay, who's hungry? Let's get everybody out of here. I want to f- give you a nice, meal and wow you about this park and the technical marvel that it is to get your mind off the fact that you just saw how the sausage is made you saw that these things have to be fed and that they are carnivores yeah 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 no absolutely um so yeah in in this moment and the next couple of minutes where they're in the vip uh lounge or dining room um you do kind of get to see a a good cross between the hammond in the movie and the hammond in the book Mm -hmm. uh and just Brilliantly played by Richard Attenborough. Um, but, uh, you know, right here towards the beginning of the minute when Muldoon says they remember, uh, we've been seeing Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum do- doing some really subtle stuff where you see Malcolm just kind of like showing more and more signs of how this ain't a good idea. And right as uh, Muldoon says they remember, Malcolm gives himself this little nod. Like, you know, I could have could have guessed. I could have guessed that, you know. Yeah. This, is, this is a dumb idea. Yeah, very, very dumb idea. So something else that Muldoon covers um, is that velociraptors can get up to, what is it, uh, 50, 60 miles if they get out yeah, in the open. Cheetah speeds, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go into this a little bit. Yeah. So as, as we've talked about in a previous episode, they're basing their velociraptors in this movie on uh, Dinonychus could only get up to six miles per hour. Really? So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I know that's kind of disappointing, but you've got to remember that everything in this movie, all the dinosaurs are engineered, so none of them are going to be what that they would have been in real life. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting this information from a website called about.dinosaurs.com. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool website that has all kinds of cool information on dinosaurs, um, including some basic stuff, and then some stuff that you, you would never have known. Uh, but according to them, they don't think that Veloc- the Deinonychus or Velociraptor could get up to the speeds that Muldoon clocks them at, right? Uh, probably not, yeah. no. Um, something that this um, website did was, for every like fact, dino fact that they had, they would reference Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting because it gives the reader um, a kind of a recognizable comparison. You know, we all know Jurassic Park. And it's where a lot of us know dinosaurs from, is this movie. And that really shows how this movie brought dinosaurs into a larger public consciousness than dinosaurs had been previously. I mean, we all knew about them. We all were fascinated by them. We thought they were cool. But my God, the world didn't really care as much until this movie came out. Right. And so even if the movie does play with the facts, uh, the fact that it's still enough to get the world interested... um, to and it encourages them to go investigate dinosaurs and prehistoric life mm-hmm. uh, 
to, to broaden their knowledge on these things is just incredible. Yeah. And yeah, and to get people, especially like younger kids, to care about this kind of stuff that doesn't really affect present day life uh, is, you know, that's, that's amazing. And that's really, really important. Um, I've got a story that I think uh, I went into on a previous episode. A couple of months ago, I was at the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh. That's right, yeah. And they have uh, this amazing dinosaur exhibit that's been there for years and years and years and years, decades. Well, I saw a kid that could, I don't know, not have been older than 10. And her mother was a little bit further ahead of her. And I I may have told the story. But um, the mother said, like, okay, come on. I don't know what the kid's name was, like Cindy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Come on, Cindy, let's go. And little Cindy was there reading a plaque. And she said, okay, hold on, hold on, Mom. Because she wanted to stay there yeah. and read this plaque about this dinosaur. Yeah. This was the most important thing to this kid at that moment. And that was incredible. Yeah. I mean, she was taking a chance on getting like spanked or something you know, for right. not obeying her to mom. To learn, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the most important thing to her in that moment. Um, so, you know, she might not, a kid that young might not have been aware of Jurassic Park, probably Jurassic World, but the fact that this this movie, this franchise has done that, at least to me as a kid, uh, just speaks to speaks to it. You know, and it's um, just the power that this movie had in the world when it came out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the end of the story. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very cool. I remember when this movie came out, I read an interview with Michael Crichton saying that he had actually had the idea for Jurassic Park for a long time, but decided that he was going to wait because it seemed like dinosaurs had gained a little bit of popularity mm-hmm. around the t- at specific points. He's like, okay, now's when I'm going to release my dinosaur book. But then he'd realize like, oh, dinosaurs are kind of cool now or whatever. Yeah. And he would not release it or go forward with it because he didn't want to be seen as capitalizing on something that was in the public zeitgeist. I mean, for me, that you strike when the iron's hot, you know, but yeah. uh, whatever. Uh, it's like when he released Pirate Latitudes about the same time that like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean was a big thing. But um, actually, yeah. I think it came out after his death. But anyway, uh, so... Yeah, it's it's very very cool that Jurassic Park did open up like a love of, of dinosaurs and uh, to, to the general public again because people like you said were really not into this stuff you know and actually being able to see the dinosaurs on screen which in this movie was done in a way that we had never seen dinosaurs used yeah. before uh, really did kind of make people interested in them again. Yeah, I remember I think after Jurassic Park came out, you and I went to a Jurassic Park, I'm using quotes here because it, it was tied in with the movie. It was an exhibit that came to local n- right. natural history the, museum. The traveling exhibit. Yeah. And it had some props from the movie, but then they also had like some other dinosaurs that were there that were like skeletons and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Perfect example. Um, this was a traveling exhibit that was like, you know, about dinosaurs, but they were using the movie to bring people in. Right. Yeah. That's a testament right there. And, and there is a traveling exhibit for Jurassic world that is going on right now yeah. touring the company. And I think it's, uh, in, New Jersey at the moment as a New Jersey. Recording. I yeah, know it yeah. started off in um, in uh, Philadelphia. Well, yeah, the, the reason I say New Jersey is I think our, our good buddy of the show, Dave Palace, I believe, went by to the exhibit. I saw him posting on Facebook awesome. that he was there the other day. But uh, it yeah. looked very, very, very cool. Uh, I hope it comes. Maybe if it comes to New Orleans, you and I can go and God, check it out. But dude, I don't know if it's going to. Yeah, I'll go to New Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Get in the um, car. That uh, that traveling exhibit that came out whenever the first film did was amazing. I mean, they had like a full size T Rex. Uh, based on the one from the movie, they had the cars, they had, I think, yeah. the Triceratops, um, all kinds of stuff. I remember they had a T-Rex that was not the T-Rex from the movie, and it was standing up right. Yeah, a might lot be of people what I'm don't remember of. this, but like before this movie came out, 
uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was envisioned as standing almost completely up straight. Yeah, with you know, tail on the ground. Yeah, you would see them, like, if you go back and look at, like, a, a lot of uh, dino- uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes in movies, yeah, it would stand up like a man. Mm-hmm. Because when you put a guy inside the suit, that's how he had to stand up. Jurassic Park was one of the first uh, depictions of a Tyrannosaurus as being more like a bird, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, you got to think about why was the tail there. It's to balance out it's the to balance weight out. Yeah. of everything in front. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't... I don't know this to be fact... Uh, I want to say Jack Horner, who's one of the leading paleontologists and actually the uh, inspiration for the character of Alan Grant, um, was the person who discovered the fact that its tail was there to balance, really? you know, counterbalance the, the head. Um, I could be wrong in that, but uh, that's where I heard that anyway, was a it, reference from It's him. so much more frightening in that position, too, when you see it kind of yeah, like... I remember you. just being so blown away by seeing the T-Rex for the first time in this movie. Well, you know, we're going to get to that yeah. in a couple of weeks here, but uh, I'll have a lot more to talk about it then, but... It's the first time you saw dinosaurs like this, and it definitely sparked a public interest in in dinosaurs, which is really cool because there's so much we still don't know about them, yeah, and we need more absolutely. paleontologists. I want to say that there was a new dinosaur just discovered like a couple weeks ago. I need to have notes prepared on this. Yeah, there totally was. There did was we some, did we touch on that? I don't think we did, but there was some base. There was some huge paleontological. Yeah. It, we should do maybe for our Patreon uh, episodes, kind of like a weekly dino, dino yeah, update, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like let's go to Brady at the Dino Desk to find out. <laughs> This week in, in dinosaurs. Oh, dinosaurs are so cool. Well, that is true. They are still cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so we also get into the uh, one of the cooler locations in the movie, which is the VIP dining area. It's a very minimalist. It's like almost like mm-hmm. a black box yeah. theater type thing, but it's very cool. And it's cool how you have John Hammond's voice running, which is probably a presentation that they prepare. You know, there's like a voiceover. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah, right. you know, with yeah. the slides going up. And the slides, I'm sure, are concept art, probably. Ralph McQuarrie or something yep, like that. I yeah. was going to say. Uh, and you actually see some, in this minute... Uh, concept art of the uh, visitor center which yeah. there's a lot of out there and if you can go check it out it's some really cool designs really cool designs and uh i think there's a voiceover about the dino river, river tour or yeah. something yeah mm-hmm. uh which God, why <laughs> we kind of see that in real life in the uh jurassic park ride over in universal studios that's, true, that's kind yeah. of the river uh voyage type thing so. did you know in the universal studios uh theme park in california uh, they actually have a pre-show video with Richard Attenborough in character. Really? As, yeah, talking about how, you know, we've just designed the, the ride that you're about to take. Spare no expense. This. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. And I think you can find it on YouTube, and it's it's pretty cheesy, but um, <laughs> it's still cool that he came back for that. You know, we talked about this guy on a show, on our Ghostbusters show, and I can't remember what the context was, Adam the Woo. Oh, yeah. The guy that yeah, does like right. urban exploration yeah. and did a lot of exploration of uh, amusement parks. He actually jumped a queue in the Orlando that's line right. and found an exhibit that they had in the middle of the park that has been closed down. And basically, this giant, massive amount of space that they aren't using. But yeah. it was a Triceratops encounter. Yeah. And for that ride you, or attraction, you would walk in and they would have like kind of a Triceratops standing there and they'd walk you in the room with it. And, and it's it would still go standing like, back there. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff is still there. And he walked in kind of like unbeknownst to everybody. It's really weird because I saw where he jumped, where he went mm-hmm. into. It. And yeah. it's in the middle of the park. It's like exactly in the middle. It's this giant, like one acre piece of property yeah. in the middle of the park. He just jumped in and went in. And all, all, yeah, a lot of the Triceratops are still there and they're not in working order anymore. He, I don't know how this guy hasn't done jail time. And I well, know that he was banned from Disney. He World. was banned from Disney and he yeah. got it overturned. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, but his, his whole thing it's is very like, dangerous. He'll, <laughs> yeah. He'll go and uh, investigate, uh, in quotes. Um, like abandoned amusement parks or just mm-hmm. buildings or movie studios. Urban and exploration. Stuff. He came here to Urban Baton Rouge and went in the LSU Underground too. There's Did a, he? a connecting tunnels in really? LSU Underground. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. He's been to Jazzland, which is still standing over uh, in New Orleans. Yeah, which you know, ironically, they filmed a lot of Jurassic World in on the property. 
Um, but yeah, he went into the interiors of the Ghostbusters firehouse and there's a, one of his videos on YouTube and he's in there and he looks down and there's like the old Ghostbusters, uh, sign yeah. like crumpled up on the floor. Like, come on. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's there. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, he did that. He found the Triceratops exhibit thing, which is it's just so cool. So cool. Very cool. Um, I also want to get into one more thing, and it's uh, when Gennaro, who we have, have, of course, seen just come completely around on the yeah, whole thing. Oh, yeah. He's, he's lighting yeah. up now. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, we can charge anything we want, 2000 a day, 10000 a day, and people will pay it. And uh, so I did a little research on inflation and what that would be today. $2,000 in uh, 1993 up to 2016 it, $2,000 is $3,333.69 mm, per so person a day. Wow. Now That's that's a pretty big increase. Uh, you think so? It's almost by half, yeah. Yeah. And $10,000 in 2016. Oh, don't oh I know. $16,668.43 <laughs> oh, per person per day. So basically, in Gennaro's mind, this is just going to be a park that appeals to whales. Do you, do, you, do, you know, do you know what a whale is? Uh, no. So uh, it's a term in Las Vegas when somebody was, well, you know, they have guys like you and me that if we went <laughs> to a casino, we play the penny slots, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, and be like 50 cents. Oh, we're out. You know, you got to mortgage the house to, you know, get, or get the, ge- the, the, the deed to the house to continue to play this uh, Jurassic Park uh, slot machine. But <laughs> um, whales are the people that come in and they might only play a couple of games, but they're the big spenders. They're the guys who fly in on a personal jet and giant poker players who, you know, maybe flew in from, you know, Hong Kong or something like that. And they're going to, you know, just play, they'll give them like a free room and stuff like that. So, uh, whale is also a term in, uh, mobile apps. So like, you know, uh, like games on your phone and stuff like that. There are some people that are the ones that buy the $10,000 like packages for these phone games and they're called whales. I want to say that there was a study done or some news came down that Disney actually, they have like a few different price ranges for the customers that are the uh, guests that they try to market their stuff to. And I think the lowest level was like $100,000 uh, median income to the house, like a combined spouse. So it's like the the those kind of theme parks continue to up their prices because they know that the people who are coming there to spend the most money are the richest people. So. Jeez. It sounds like Gennaro immediately wants to go for that top tier market. Yeah. And when you see that kind of stuff, you start to realize too that like that the world really isn't built for the middle class person anymore. It's basically just a rich person's world and we're all living in it, you know? Yeah, so, right. but, uh, you know, at $10,000 to see dinosaurs, it, it's, it's a cool, like somebody eventually would probably catch on to that technology and you'd see like, uh, the, yeah. you know, the dollar store version of the Seriously. dinosaur come out somewhere. It's like, Oh, we were able to breed these dinosaurs, but they only live for like six months. So if you want to come see a baby chicken sized velociraptor, <laughs> get over, come here. over here. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, just to amuse myself here, let's say in 2016, mm-hmm. if it's $10,000 a day per person, that's $16,000, $668 and 43 cents. Now let's say one of these whales you're talking about wants to bring a family of five in one day, that would be $83,342.15. Excuse me, $83, okay, cool. So like the day. Royal House of Sod could come yeah. and see this stuff, but you know, now, Kyle from Louisiana cannot. Yeah. Right? So let's say this, uh, this whale and his family of five wants to go on a, uh, let's see, I think I did a seven-day trip. That would be $583,395 and... Five cents. So half a million dollars yeah. for, for that. Wow. I mean, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, 
it doesn't sound like Jurassic Park ever really has all that much in mind as far as attractions go. It, I know it'd be yeah. awesome to see the dinosaurs, but like the luster of seeing the dinosaurs would probably wear off after a couple of days. And mm-hmm. it'd be like, all right, well, I'm stuck here for three more days. I can only eat so much of Alejandra sea bass at the visitor center yeah. before I get sick of it. Yeah. Which was part of the premise of Jurassic World. These yeah. kinds of, we're used to it. It's just not that cool anymore. Yeah. So what can we do to, you know, up attendance? That was one thing that definitely sparked my attention when some of the initial news about Jurassic World came out. That Colin Trevorrow said something like, what if you lived in a world where yeah. seeing a dinosaur was no longer something cool. And I thought about that. And okay, this is kind of something I wanted to get into earlier. Like I was thinking about like, if you were seeing this Velociraptor running around, at what point would it not be cool anymore? You know, like if you, you probably make one trip there and that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about when you were talking about kids getting uninterested in dinosaur skeletons, like going yeah. to a museum and looking at the dinos- the skull of a T-Rex for me, it just doesn't get old. I, I could do it all day. It's yeah, very right. cool. Eventually we're going to make contact with aliens. Okay, this, mm-hmm. follow me here. <laughs> Eventually, okay. we're going to get a radio signal from another civilization. We're gonna, it's going to be like them saying hi or whatever, and we're, it's going to blow us away. We're just not, it's the only thing we're going to be able to talk about for a long time. And then we're going to get to a point where it's like, yeah, we talked to those aliens at one time. And you know, because of the distance between us and them, the response back is going to take an entire lifetime. Or you know, then when they send their robots uh, to here to come down to Earth and meet us and greet us and take pictures of us and then turn around and go back or whatever that's going to take another lifetime. So there's at some point we're going to be like, yeah, you know, we did talk to those aliens. You remember when that happened? That was so weird that those aliens sent out and asked us what sort of resources our planets had and then uh, didn't respond to us again. So it's one of those things like at some point, this stuff becomes just uncool. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it becomes just, uh, you know, part of everything else we do, you know? you know? And that's, that's terrible. Uh, that's really terrible because our attention spans are just so, whatever <laughs> well i mean they are and it, it, i remember the first time i held my iphone and i was like oh this is so cool i can you know i've got the internet in my pocket any answer i want to a question i can yeah. i can have here and, and now, now it's, it's a second nature you don't even I, now i'm just getting angry at the damn thing for not working yeah when you right. and i were moving earlier and it decided to start playing music remember that today when we were moving did you hear that yeah, yeah. you're like pulling christmas decorations out of an attic and suddenly massive attack comes up yeah I'm like, <laughs> I'm like i can't what? put this decoration down or else i'll fall <laughs> off this ladder and die right now so you and i just had to sit there and listen to uh yeah, yeah music for a while so thank you for putting up with that not talking about it we didn't mention it until this point either which yeah, is a little right. weird yeah Ooh, okay. so okay um, but back to jurassic park yeah. <laughs> uh and and getting into jurassic world 2 um there i've heard colin Trevorrow say like the conceit of jurassic world 2 is based on dr grant's line how can we have the you know slightest idea what to expect a future a world with dinosaurs and there's something, and for he said something else too about how one of Malcolm's lines in this very scene, uh, not this minute per se, um, was kind of the jumping off point for Jurassic World. Gennaro says something here at the very end of this minute um, about then there's the merchandise, which I can personally, and he's cut off by Hammond. And yeah. I really, it seems like that would be something else that would kind of work, it would fit into a broader. Um, world building type yeah, thing. World yeah, world building mm-hmm. thing in this franchise. And I would love to know what he was going to talk about. Uh, action figures with Kenner, probably, I think. He's go. like, can you imagine what the Gennaro action figure is going to look <laughs> like? You know, uh, no, I, I think he probably was talking about the bibs and the plates and things like that. You know, the, the, the toys, the plush toys that kids will go in and buy. Yeah, well, you know, that, when you're in a theme park, all of a sudden you need all that crap. I can't tell you how many Walt De- Epcot shirts I have in my closet that I don't wear anymore. Yeah. But I, when I'm there, I have to have them. So he's right. The merchandising, that's where the money is going to be made. I'm thinking like a little bit further along than that. Not what mm. the actual merchandise items would be, but uh-huh. like, you know, um... I don't know how this is. There's going to be a point where this isn't going to be that cool anymore. We need supplemental things to to help continue to sell this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
It's it's interesting, man. You know, so yeah. It's it's neat that in this one scene, in this one location, these lines are what uh, sp- you know spurs on the reboot franchise. Right. Yeah, yeah. Man, what a cool movie! <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is. It's, it's it's very cool. It comes from very cool source material, and uh, there's a lot to talk about with it too. As you can t- attest by today, that this is one of our longer yeah, episodes right 25 now. Twenty five minutes. All right. Well, hey, it's a uh, Friday. It's the weekend. Are you ready to get out of here? You Let's got any other? Go. Ma- all right. Well, no. fine. Let's get out of here. Let's, Let's go. You and I go get some dinner right now. Some Chilean sea bass. Let's Chilean go. sea bass, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody have a wonderful weekend, and until next time, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Media.